Hey, welcome to Shut Your Blowhole. This is the podcast, podcast number 27 of the Whaler Guys. I'm Peter Hindle. I'm here with the other Whaler guy, Jerry Irwin. And we have a special guest to kind of talk about the, you know, we're coming up on the 20th year anniversary of the Whalers leaving. And we wanted to bring in a special guest. So we have Bob Joyce from WTIC, who is the voice of the Lady Huskies and also was the producer of the Whaler Sports Radio Network with Chuck Caton. Hey, Bob, how's it going? Guys, I'm doing great. I got a week off uh, between the uh, end of basketball season and the start of umpiring baseball, so I'm only working one job this week. <laughs> yes, nice. yes, but you get to wake up nice and early and uh, and get Ray Dunaway going, right? I do indeed. Yeah, that's a chore enough, as we all know. <laughs> well, we uh, we saw uh, Mr. Caton on our latest trip down to New Jersey with the Hartford Whalers Booster Club. We had a bus trip uh, last weekend. Um, we went to see Jersey and the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, I heard that. I saw some pictures online. That was awesome. It, and what was fantastic about the post was, uh, you know, everyone loved Chuck when he uh, did did uh, his magic on the radio. Uh, that post on our Facebook page reached over twenty five thousand views. Uh, so that has uh, has a lot to do with what Chuck did here in Hartford, and and you being his uh, producer. Weren't you the producer of the Whalers Radio Network? The last ten years, the Whalers were in Hartford. Yes, I had the honor of working with the great Charles Caton, and uh, I miss him every day. As a matter of fact, as we are recording this, uh, the Islanders are down in Carolina, and my son, who has a connection with the Islanders, uh, is actually down to see. Uh, And that's great. You know, the couple times that I've listened to the the radio when I was unable to uh, to go to the uh, the UConn hockey games, uh, your son did quite a job. Well, you know, it's in his blood. It's been he's had it on in his blood all his life. He's been around it his entire life. I remember the last couple of years that they were here. He went to his first Whaler games. He was a little uh, a little afraid of the horn of the bullhorn when he was little. But uh, I can remember him and. When Chuck's kids were older, coming running down the hallway in the third floor of the Civic Center offices, it sounded like a stampede. They would let Rob win. Now, mind you, Chuck's kids are much older than Rob, but uh, they would let him run down the hallway and win the races. In fact, uh, Chuck's youngest son, uh, Russell, when my wife was pregnant, wanted us to uh, name Rob Zarley. I don't know if a Latsky, but uh, that wasn't happening. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I... Uh... I had the opportunity to work uh, one year with the Whalers, and you know what a great opportunity uh, back then in the uh, late. I was there in '87, '88, and it was a great opportunity to work not only for a, a National Hockey League team, but they were they were our team and our major league team for the city of Hartford, and it was really a family. A family organization. Uh, Bill Barnes uh, hired me. Uh, I worked with his son Michael in the uh, in the ticket office, and I felt every time I went in there, it was it was more of a family-run business. Even though you know Etna was involved and and uh, several owners, including Mr. Baldwin, uh, but it gave you a sense of a family when you went in there and did your job, and and that's what I remember about it. Do you remember the same thing? I do. As a matter of fact, uh, I saw Michael at the American Conference Women's Tournament at Mohegan Sun with his daughter. Um, and it had been a while since I saw Michael. As a matter of fact, speaking of Bill Barnes, um, are you aware of the fact that Bill is the one who hired Chuck to be 
on the voice of the whalers? Really? No, I didn't. Uh, we only knew we only knew that Mr. Barnes hired Peter Good and Jack Lardis to uh, to advertise and and get that logo off the ground. Yeah, I, yeah. In fact, Chuck was at uh, Wisconsin doing the Badgers. In fact, he wanted Chuck to come a year earlier, uh, but Chuck wasn't sure. You know, with the uh, future of the uh, franchise held, because they were still in the WHA back in those days, mm-hmm. and Bob Newmeyer was contemplating uh, leaving, which he eventually did. But uh, yeah, uh, Bill wanted uh, was interested in hearing Chuck. I guess uh, Wisconsin was here for a uh, NCAA tournament game or two uh, over in Providence, and. Bill Barnes actually had a chance to listen to Chuck and offered him the job. And then uh, a year later, uh, a young guy with hair that was much thinner back then ended up being the voice of the Whalers. And to this day, the man's only missed one game in 30, what, 37 years of broadcasting hockey games right. in the NHL. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I tell you, when we it was great when we got to because uh, he, you know, we were told on the bus trip, hey, we're going to get a chance to meet Chuck Kate. He's going to come off the media elevator, be there five forty-five. So you know the bus busload of, of Whaler fans all in their jerseys, and he comes walking off there. And I tell you, as soon as he spoke, I mean, everybody was transported back to your room if you were in high school and grade school, where you 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 know there was no social media. Chuck Caton was all you had; he was your lifeline to what was going on with the team. And as soon as you heard his voice, like everybody immediately, you know, it, it just clears a bell, and you and you just remember it from the you know when you used to be such a big fan when you were a kid. Right, that big booming voice of his, uh, yeah. his, uh, his description is very Mike Emmerich-esque. Yeah. <laughs> about the same age. Uh, maybe Mike's a little bit older, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that same vernacular, great uh, terminology on the ice. Uh, I can remember back in the day, Northeast Magazine did an article on Chuck about uh, all the different things that he describes uh, that a puck does uh, from A to Z. That's we used to call him Catonisms back in the day. We used to <laughs> walk together with him in the radio office, but uh, yeah, uh, there's very few people in our business that are as good as Chuck is, and it's no secret or no surprise that uh, it's been, what, 13 years now since he uh, won the Foster Hewitt Award. He'll be inducted yeah. in the Hall of Fame in the broadcaster's wing, so uh, well-deserving, and it's great to still see him going uh, going strong at uh, 60. Yeah, and he'll be at he'll be in Hartford this summer. When one of the things he said, like the second thing out of his mouth, was, "How about those yard goats?" Uh, you know, he'll be here. Uh, there's a Whaler weekend, July 14th to the 16th, and I'm not sure what day or if he'll be here the whole weekend. But uh, apparently, they're going to get some former Whaler players, and uh, he he said he was uh, one of the people they reached out to to come. So uh, he'll be a uh, July 14th through the 16th. Oh, good. Yeah, good. and that, there. That, that'll be the weekend I start my vacation. Yeah, they actually they actually put out that they could have up to twenty five players that are going to be back just for this weekend. So the Yard Goats have done a lot of homework and they've reached out uh, to to the Whaler players. Uh, so it could be quite a significant weekend. You know, and the one thing that I like about the fact that uh, the Yard Goats, you know, uh, their uniform scheme, they. They did a lot of uh, good thought process in putting the whole thing together. Now, the Yard Coach name's a little screwed, yeah. but heck, if they're opening the season with the flying squirrels, I guess, uh, yeah. I guess well with the world. But the color scheme, I love the script, particularly the old days of the railroad. But the days with the uh, color scheme to one of the whalers, uh, that, that's pretty darn good on their part. And yes, it shows that they did a lot of hard work. I, I just hope all this works out because God knows the city needs it after all the headaches they've had the last uh, 
they do, and you know, it's you know, a lot of people are naysayers, this, that, the other thing. I'm looking for them to be successful. It gives Hartford another thing to do for young people to come downtown uh, and maintain the, especially the millennials. Uh, they want things to do downtown, and they want to live downtown. And with what CRDA has done with the apartments and UConn moving downtown next year, uh, it's it's really Hartford is at the right point to have all these pieces of the puzzle. Uh, coming together, and that includes uh, hopefully uh, getting the the XL Center renovated. That's the next big thing that needs to be done. Yes, absolutely. Uh, in this day and age, the economy as it is, that's a big that's a big uh, big request. But um, it's something's got to be done eventually. Whether it's a year or two down the road, or even now, I know they're doing uh, they're changing the uh, ice machine, which needs to be done. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in a tough spot right now, given all the economic uh, circumstances of the city and the state. Uh, you know, you hope it gets done, but uh, I somewhat have mixed feelings as a taxpayer that, uh, you know, our taxes are already going to be enough as they are. Um, but it's a catch-22. You've got to do something to the building to, uh, to attract, if, God forbid, anything positive ever happens as far as ever getting a team again. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence of that. You know, I don't know if it's ever going to happen as long as Gary Batman's the commissioner, but yeah. uh, something's got to be done. It's not not for future of a professional hockey. I think it's got to be done for the future of UConn because they deserve a new building uh, upgraded in Hartford because, you know, if if all the games ever got moved to campus, it would kill Hartford. I mean, the Whalers were bad enough killing Hartford when yeah. they left. But God forbid if uh, you know we lost the minor league hockey team or even UConn, uh, because of you know the fact that the building would have to be closed for good and nothing done to right. enhance it or whatever, I, I think it would just kill Hartford. Yeah, and do you, don't totally you, put a nail in the coffin. And and do you think it would also? I mean, it would really, I I, th- I see it as it would be a real. It put UConn in a real pickle because they don't have a hockey East arena on campus yet. Uh, so I, I you know I don't know what would happen because uh, we, we we've heard from the CRDA that that UConn has a uh, signed on for a pending. 20, 20 year lease based on these XL renovations. So, uh, you know, when you put the, the amount of, of money and attractions and uh, people downtown over 20 years, uh, you know, because UConn, you know, has, has done well in attendance in Hockey East, you know, especially, uh, you know, you, you wonder if, the, if there's any way that, you know, that, that UConn would be able to recruit that if they had to go back to two stores. Right, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, as long as Mike Cavanaugh is there, they're on, they're on the right track. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be easy with with the Boston schools and stuff because we all know yeah. uh, hockey East is essentially the equivalent of the SEC in football. Yeah. But uh, you know, with with the New England talent that Mike can uh, go after, uh, the balance is starting to get there, and they're making strides. And you know, uh, he's a first class guy. Well, he's got a good coaching staff, so uh, you know, you, you hope it. Uh, continues in the right direction and UConn continues to excel. But they've got the right people in place. Now we'll see if they can take it another step or two in the next couple of years. Yeah, you, you brought up something that I find interesting about, uh, you know, Gary Bettman. Uh, you know, does he have, I mean, we, we've heard from different people that, you know, Gary Bettman is the figurehead, you know, the Board of Governors uh, votes and Gary Bettman just has to announce. Do you think he has more pull than that? Yeah, I think he does. I, I, I am of a firm belief, as long as Gary's the commissioner, I don't think we're ever going to see hockey in Hartford. It's just my gut. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. 
Yeah. But I just had this feeling that with the fact that you've already got a team in Boston, three teams in the New York area, I think it's going to be very, very hard. Okay. Yeah, because I, I always wondered because, you know, you know, you see him as the commissioner, uh, but you have the voting body. So I, it's it's good to get your opinion on that because, you know, I, I don't want to be one-sided without without other people's opinions. And, you know, I hope I hope that he's doing things for a league. And with Hartford having the 30th largest TV market, uh, we're sitting here waiting for a major league sports team. Uh, UConn has done a phenomenal job putting us on the national map, uh, both the men and the women. Uh, and I think it's, you know, we're in the right place, like I said, with the XL Center, that this is the time to, uh, you know, Luke Bronin came out with a tweet that, that caused some, some people to turn their heads and say, hey, you know, when the Carolina had a bad game and showed all those empty seats, he said, hey, come to Hartford, we'll fill it up for you here. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, and you know what? I'll give kudos to the governor and the mayor for at least putting out an olive branch to the Islanders, whether or not they, they take it or not. But you, you've got to at least give it a shot to, uh, to take a chance to see if they'll bite. Um, because let's face it, the Islanders' decision to go to Brooklyn was a very bad idea. That, that building's just not good for hockey whatsoever. Um, I, I didn't read an article, but at least I saw a post on Facebook today. I think it came from the Daily News, maybe, uh, that renovations for Nassau Coliseum are coming along pretty well. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, you, you, you don't, you know, you can't, uh, you know, you can't succeed at least without trying to, uh, to lure a team here. And they took a good first step. And all you can do is keep trying and, you know, maybe if this, you know, if they ever get a new building or the Excel Center ever gets really totally done over, they have a chance. But there's, you know, there are a number of cities in North America that have either refurbished or brand new buildings, mm-hmm. like case in point, Quebec City, yeah. that are just dying to have an NHL team. And I think they would probably get first crack over Hartford for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I saw the post you're talking about. Nassau. Uh, they finished a hundred and sixty-five million dollar uh, renovation, and Billy Joel actually did a concert there last night um, to open up their renovated arena. Uh, they did cut down the seating there, and that that is beneficial to us because it's a smaller uh, venue now in Nassau. Uh, yeah. How many does it hold now? Thirteen k. It's only thirteen. Well, yeah. I mean, Right? Or, or is it, uh, Winni- smaller. Winni- Winnipeg is Winnipeg is right? yeah, yeah. Winnipeg is like fifteen even, I think, and uh, so they're a couple thousand below it. They they'd have to actually go in and, and bump the seating up again to like sixteen or something like that. But you know when you th- when you talk about it, that's a lot cheaper than two hundred and fifty million here in Hartford, of course. You know, right? Right. <laughs> and of course, you just raise ticket prices, which takes us little guys out. Uh, that can't uh, afford uh, a seat. I mean, I looked at tickets to go see the Bruins, and I was like, "Wow, it's expensive to go see the Bruins yeah. play." Yeah. Oh yeah, NHL seats are not are not cheap to come by. Uh, yeah. Back last year, I actually got to a Hurricanes game and saw Chuck and John. Uh, I was down there for a basketball game, and I had an extra day or two, so I took my son to a game and hung out with Chuck. Got to talk to John before the game. Um, I think with the Sharks, they were playing. Yeah. But yeah, NHL tickets are not cheap. I actually saw. A game in the Nassau Coliseum, the only game I've ever seen down there a few years ago against the Bruins. And, uh, yeah, NHL tickets are cheap. Professional sports tickets, by, you know, across the board, doesn't matter what sport, nothing's cheap anymore. I mean, I remember as a kid, when my parents used to get us tickets for Fenway, box seats used to be like 10, 12 bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was talking 1970s. 
Well, it's like it's like when I was growing up and I went to the Civic Center and uh, my parents would take us to see the Celtics play the you know one or two games they came to Hartford, and right. we get we get the ten dollar seats and this is before the uh, the roof collapse and you'd be sitting on the metal bleachers all the way up at the top and that was the most dis- disconcerting thing because you could look straight down and see all the way to the bottom of the XL Center. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, I used to buy my tickets for fifteen dollars when the when the Whalers were in the NHL, and I go over to G Fox over at West Farms, go up to the Ticketron on the third floor, and get fifteen dollars seats, and you'd sit up in the nosebleeds, but at least you were there. Yeah. Right, right. right. Hey, you know, go through Facebook here. Uh, NBC Connecticut has a uh, a questionnaire here about because I know this is airing on the thirteenth, which is also the opening of the uh, Yard Goats uh, Dunkin' Donuts Park. Who should throw out the first pitch at Dunkin' Donuts, Donuts Park? Wow. Very interesting. They yeah. They have, you know, they have the Visa Collier, they have Kevin Alley, they have Randy Edsel, and they also have a picture of Ron Francis, which goes under the uh, under the headline of former Whalers. <laughs> oh, boy. Remember, that... if you say Whalers, you have to say Whalers. No, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, uh, it... I, you know, looking at what they've done, uh, seeing it is the anniversary of the 20-year anniversary of our departure of our club, I, I'd like it to be something, a, a combination. Maybe you're doing, you could actually do all five of them. They had the Patriots out there throwing out five first pitches. Um, I think you should do a combination because it's it's Connecticut. And, you, you know, UConn has to be mentioned. They've uh, Gino specifically is just an amazing coach. He's an amazing person. Uh, he has to be ranked right up there. Uh, but yeah. I, I would hope that they get a whaler or someone uh, involved in the whaler yeah. somehow. It would be great to have a whaler do it, but I think that I think Gino, if you wanted to get the most you know bang for your buck on, on, on notoriety, I mean, people know Gino everywhere. You know, that some of the whalers may not be as well known. I, I can just tell you who is not throwing out the first pitch, and that would be uh, former mayor Pedro Segarra. So, yeah, you, you won't see, you, you won't see him there uh, throwing out the first pitch. Uh, but anyway, but uh, you know, talking about that yard goats thing, and and you mentioned the color scheme. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I couldn't believe this. I checked with the yard goats; they had sold merchandise. Uh, this is last year. Uh, sold merchandise in 50 states and 17 countries, and I always thought that that color scheme had a little bit to do with that. It was it was insane how much that took off, and they, uh, you know, I think they did the right thing with the color scheme and the way that they set up the marketing of the of the team. So, you know, we'll have to see though if the uh, you know the attendance uh, they sold at the first game in the first 30 minutes, but we'll have to see if that uh, if that continues, you know, going forward. Yeah, I just hope they have good weather now. If they have the success that the Rockcats had. And, and that organization that owns the bees still does, does in the way of marketing. Yeah. I think they'll be successful. That's the one area that they were really good at in New Britain, and they always draw good crowds there. It doesn't matter what the baseball is because they market so well right. to everybody there. If they can do that, this this has a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and, definitely and does. And you, you can see that with the Wolfpack with uh, – the, the guys that we know through Spectra, when they really market uh, group nights and so on, you get a good crowd of five to 7,000 people in there, and it's great because it is family-orientated, the, the Wolfpack. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the more people that get in the XL, the better for everybody because, you know, run it, run it, running it right now at a red in the red is, uh, you know, it's costing us all money. You know, I forgot we forgot to do this. Uh, so when we do our podcast, 
the number of the podcast, we always give a shout-out to a whaler with that number. Well, this one's kind of easy for us. I mean, when you think of 27 and the whalers, you have to think of the Iron Man, uh, Doug Jarvis. Uh, so that would probably be the, we'll dedicate the show to, to Doug Jarvis, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those guys, those whalers that, you know, he, he wasn't remembered for his whole career as a whaler, but, you know, he was there, and it was a great moment for the whalers to have that Iron Man night. I remember being there uh, kind of as a younger guy, and uh, they had the poster there with him next to the night shooting yeah. armor. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that, that was, uh, he was, a, you know, one of those whalers you remember. Right, and I think that came right after Christmas, uh, the year they won the division. Yes. And let's see, who else wore 20? Scott Young wore 27. Oh, that's yes, right, that's I forgot. Right. Scott Young would be another great one, yeah. Yep. yep. And, uh, well, now, I know it's the wrong team, but uh, my namesake wore 27 when he played for the Bruins. Yep, we were, just ironic. Yep, we just <laughs> saw that. I was I was doing a little search on uh, uh, on that, specifically number 27. It did come up, Bob Joyce, for the Boston Bruins. Now, after all these years, you you have so many great memories with uh, UConn basketball. As a young person working with Chuck Caton, if you can pick out a couple of your highlights, what what would they be? Wow, uh, there's stuff I can't even mention because it's off air and it's funny and it's actually uh, rated. Yeah, yeah. I I just saw. Well, I, 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 one of the funniest things off air. That's awesome. And finally, and finally, he just gave up, and the phone rang, and he had to go answer and redo it. But it's just funny because I said, the best part of it is, you know, you're making yourself laugh, and you're not even looking at us, or we can't even make eye contact. That's the funniest part of this whole thing. That's awesome. That's that's yeah. awesome. You know, I I was at the XL or the Civic Center when the uh, when the Whalers swept Quebec, and uh, and then I it, the game three myself. it was just I, yeah. I we went out to we were still in high school, so we went out to the streets after, and we were on Church Street right right outside the garage, and people were jumping on cars that were parked in the fire lanes there, and I said, "This is we swept the series. We didn't win the Stanley Cup, but." You know, some of the great pictures that I, for some reason, saved from the Hartford Current showed the people 
on top of the cars, out on the street, uh, just just mobbing Church and Trumbull. And, you know, to be part of that, you know, nobody today would understand it here in Hartford because unless you were there and you were caught up with all the excitement, we beat them. We beat Mario Goslin, who was in goal, who was one of the premier goaltenders back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I always hated the Montreal Canadiens when they wore those red sweaters when they came to town. But it was such a great game when Deneen scored that goal. And I stopped clapping, and, and it was extra special because Dana Merzen gave me the tickets for the game. And I stopped clapping, and the section we were in was actually shaking. And I said, this is it. This is the lightning in a bottle. If you ever have to describe this to anyone, this was my moment when Kevin Deneen scored that goal. And they oh, went, game four. Yes, yeah, yeah, game it four. Was, it was yeah. unbelievable, and of course he beat Patrick Waugh, which made yeah. it that much better. Yeah. Um, and we left the XL Center, and for that one moment in time, I said, "You know what? The Whalers are a team to be reckoned with." And they yeah. just had—they were firing on all cylinders. It was awesome. Right, downtown was great when they swept Quebec to Game Three. I remember because I was there for Game Three of that series, and I was there for Game Four of the Montreal series. The city was alive. People would walk out of the building. You hear chants of "Let's go Whalers!" all over the place. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And Jerry, and guys, you might remember this: the Hockey East playoffs last year against Vermont in Game Two, when Carl Elmer scored a terrific goal, going around a defenseman. Yeah, my son actually did that game with Joe D, and I was upstairs. I had driven from Mohegan Sun because that was the weekend of the American Conference Tournament just to hang out with him. Yep. And when Carl O'Leary scored that goal, Joe and I looked at each other and go, that's Kevin Deneen's goal all over again. And and uh, <laughs> You're right. And, and, you know, it was just, that was the flashback to 1986 Game 4 when Deneen goes around Larry Robinson and then goes short side over Patrick Law. I mean, that brought the house down. Yeah. It was one of those moments you remember where you were and you know, I was very fortunate to be in that building for that game, and to me, that's that's the, you know, unfortunately, because you just wish they got a little farther. But that was the crowning moment. Yeah. Highlight in the history of the Whalers. It was. It, it, oh, it, yeah. it was, and, and you know, you 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 see the um, uh, the Whaler Mania. VHS tape uh, that they right. put, they put out, and you, I could watch that goal over and over, and it just brings back that moment. Like yeah. Peter said, you know, when you hear Chuck Caton, it it takes you right back when you were a kid sitting in your bedroom when you should have been sleeping, yeah. and you're listening to Chuck Caton with the radio underneath your pillow, uh, so your parents didn't hear you. Um, that that's what we're we're still reliving, and that's why Peter and I do the show, and we do the the TV show or Heart for Public Access is. Because, like, to, this is going to be aired on the 20th anniversary of the Whalers leaving. Peter and I don't look at it as a funeral. It's a way to celebrate Hartford in a major league market that we were. And we, we, we still think we can be. Uh, we might be the only two. But you know what? Uh, we're, we're still beating a drum, Bob. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I have never heard is Chuck's call of that game for goal. Yeah. I, Chuck archives everything, but whatever, for whatever reason, that never
heard him on the CD, and I have that. But I have never heard Chuck Skull and Kevin Nadine scoring in Game 4. Wow. No. No. No, I've never heard it as well. It was only Rick Peckham uh, on, what was it, Sports Channel. Yeah, Sports Channel. Yeah. yeah, and that's coming up. That's uh, the 31st anniversary of that will be April 26th. So uh, that was that was the Hartford hockey goal heard around the world, we call it. Yeah. Right, and April yeah. April 12th is the sweep of Quebec. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so, you know, we have a great great time reminiscing. We loved it. We, um, we celebrate the Whalers tradition, and Peter and I go way back into the New England Whaler days. I was seven years old when I saw the New England Whalers take on the the Soviet, uh, the Red Army team uh, at the Civic Center, and we got to see some guys that went on. Larry Plo, who's now uh, uh, still over, is he still in St. Louis now? I don't know. I think uh, might be. Yeah, yeah. I, absolutely sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He is because I talked to a scout last year, and he's uh, he's with St. Louis, and uh, you know, obviously Ricky Lee went on and did some great things. He was our coach, and then the the biggest downfall that we hear in complaints is when Brian Burke came in. Uh, and uh, was it Brian Burke or uh, yeah? Yeah, he took, took away his, the brass bonanza, yeah. uh, and you know people still to this day don't like him for that. That was a, <laughs> it's a riot when you hear people's complaints. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I think the biggest complaint is uh, to me is the day Eddie Johnston uh, stripped Ronnie French to the captaincy in Buffalo in ninety ninety one season. Yeah, and started to uh, to uh, take apart the team in the ninety one ninety two campaign. Yeah. You know, Brian Burke taking away Brass Bonanza, okay, that's fine, but yeah. the whole thing turned after the Bruins beat the Whalers in the first round of the, of the playoffs in 1990. They didn't have to take her much. They take her way too much, and they went way downhill from there, and it's too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, we've had conversations with people that were in the organization, and I said, you know, call it a conspiracy theory, but, you know, Eddie Johnston with uh, Francis and then Samuelson, uh, you know, come on. You know, it was a it was a work, and uh, it's we, it's too bad. We got a full taste of a salary dump before I think the term was even coined. Yeah, <laughs> so there you go. But Bob, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, it's it's great to uh, reminisce about the Whalers, uh, and maybe one day we, we might have a shot. We'll see if the XL Center gets done first. Cross your fingers, boys. Always stay positive. You can do a heck of a job. Well, hey, thank you so much. Thank you so th- much. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. And remember, this is Hartford Whaler. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You got it.